series making data simple this is al martin today's topic is growth hacking and i've got a a person on the call today named nancy hensley native of chicago director of offering management uh the most positive person that i know how's that is that pretty good (laughs) that's great that's great (laughs) (laughs) and a social champion so as i know it and an advocate of growth hacking right indeed so look, uh, let's jump right in, if you don't mind. Growth hacking, what is it? Where did it come about? And uh, why should the listeners on the on the uh, line here care? Sure. It's my favorite topic. So thank you for asking me to talk about it. Uh, so growth hacking really has its roots in the startup area of Silicon Valley. And uh, if you look at a lot of the companies that you probably said, how did they grow so fast? Facebook, Uber, Airbnb, they all had something in common, and that was growth hacking. So you're probably saying, well, what the heck is this? Um, Really what it is, is it is the ability to hack growth by doing rapid experimentation across the full customer journey. So at every step of the way, learn, discover, try by there's opportunities to get traction and growth which every step interaction and engagement with your with your clients and so what growth hacking does is allows you to have a discipline for approaching this with experiments by measuring it so it's 100% data driven everything scrutinized by its impact to sustaining customer growth and um, adoption. And it really blurs the lines of product management, product marketing, digital marketing, and data science, because it really requires everybody to work together across all of those aspects of the customer journey. Fantastic. You know, look, I I, I know you're a a huge advocate of growth hacking. Anytime (laughs) I think of growth hacking, I think of yourself because, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. you're always an evangelist uh, around the concept. But you got to tell me, yeah, how did you first discover or become interested in it? Where does your passion come from? Okay, so that's actually a great story. So a few years ago, I was tasked with bringing one of our first SaaS products to market. And coming from a very traditional background, both in software development, software product management, and software product marketing, as I was staring down the the thought of how do I actually convert from thinking about filling a pipeline of opportunities to filling a funnel that converts at a much lower percentage with a much smaller transaction level. It was just daunting to think about how I changed the way we did things to actually achieve the revenue goals we wanted to do. And so I had that question. I looked at, well, how did Facebook and Uber, how did all these companies do it? And I started to do some research. And I came across an article that a lot of growth hackers talk about, which was by a gentleman named Andrew Chen, um, that he talked about, the, the title was, is the growth hacker the next VP of marketing? And that got my attention. Um, and he talked about Airbnb and a lot of the famous growth hacking studies and the, and the fact that really the term was born from uh, a gentleman named Sean Ellis, who has a great book out there called Hacking Growth, if you want to read more about it. 
um, when he was talking about approaching this new role of a vice president of marketing and that he felt that he didn't want to be a vice president of marketing. He wanted to do this combination of experimentation and data science and marketing and product management all rolled into one. So he coined the term term growth hacking. So the more I read about it, the more I got excited and passionate about it because it made so much sense to me. I love data. I love products. I love marketing. I love all of those things wrapped up into one. And the the ability to look at things differently and create these small experiments and try things, look at data, uh, fail fast and, and get to the end state faster was extremely appealing to me. And one of the case studies I came across was, it gave me even more inspiration. And it was because it, it was sounded a little bit like the, the job I had at IBM. Um, and it was something we probably all know. You've all heard of Jägermeister. We, we all had that experience in college. And it, what most people don't know is there's an interesting history there. And they're a great growth hacking study. Uh, they, before they introduced something we all know as the Jaeger bomb, were basically just not selling any product. It was sitting on the shelf collecting dust. Their sales were, they were selling about 70,000 bottles a year in the, in the United Kingdom. And after they introduced the Jaeger bomb, a year after this, they sold 700,000. And then within five years, 6.3 million bottles. And it accounts for about 40% of the shots and pups. And the interesting thing about this is the Jaeger bomb was their growth hack because they looked at it and say, well, how do we create growth? We can't really change the product. It's an 80-year-old product. It's really difficult to make. <clears throat> so... It was, uh, it was inspirational to me because we have a lot of products that are pretty mature. Um, but they thought, well, if we change the way people consume it, we, we build a conversation around that, we could actually hack growth. And that's what they did with the Jaeger bomb. And so I thought, this is great. We could probably use this model with our own software. And that gave me a lot of inspiration for doing the same thing at IBM. Well, uh, I got to tell you, I, I try to stay from, away from too many Jaeger <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's a great example, though. A great example. So you mentioned data a few times. Mm -hmm. Reiterate or, or cl clarify further the importance of data for growth hacking. Well, really, data is the only way you know you're achieving something, right? So um, if you look at what your goals would be, whether it's a percent of growth or whether it's the number of active users, uh, when you conduct an experiment, the data is going to tell you whether you're moving towards that goal or away from that goal. And even the failures, the data that you're getting from the failures are going to tell you how to get closer to that goal because it's going to tell you the direction not to go. So without data, you really don't know whether you're doing the right things and whether the things that you're doing are going to allow you to hack growth and move closer to the model that you want to get to and really create that lift. Fantastic. Well, do you know the story behind Airbnb? That, that would just, just <laughs> so, because, yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I mean, hit that one because I, I'm curious as to that. I mean, sure. you know, today they, they book more rooms than all the other hotels uh, chains combined, yet mm -hmm. they don't own one room themselves. So what have they, right. they used growth hacking? So there's a couple things with Airbnb. They, um, they are often referred to as the original hack, a true hack. Uh, what they did was they, they knew that their targeted customer base were the same people that leveraged Craigslist a lot. And so what they did is, is they did a little research and they figured out that 
Craigslist saves their listing information using a unique URL rather than an actual cookie. So they were able to build this bot to visit Craigslist, snag the URL, and forward that URL to their users for publishing. So they basically hacked into Craigslist. And then when somebody was looking for a room to rent, it would automatically redirect them to Airbnb. So it increased their traffic dramatically. Now you've seen Craigslist, it's not a great UI. Um, it's not pretty. And so Airbnb also put up these really nice pictures. And so there was immediate engagement uh, once they got the traffic moved over. Now, of course, um, Craigslist figured this out and shut it down. So they had to go on to the next hack. Um, and for them, that was the referral program. So if you were one of the early Airbnb adopters, you might remember that um, they would give you this program that you would get, I think it was $25 or something for, for every referral that you send out. And they made it really easy for you to send out referrals to all of your friends. So essentially, you could create your own stay for free if you did a really good job on referring and you're growing their business. Awesome. Hey, so, but here, here's the thing. Airbnb is more of a startup. Right. And I know, you know, typically when I associate growth hacking, it's more around coming up with like a, a unique form of marketing, either through social media or otherwise, not your traditional radio, newspaper, television, so that you can have the same kind of advertising, maybe even network effects to get, you know, people to your brand. So, I mean, I'd like a little bit of, of what your thoughts are there, but you know, we're a big company like IBM, not exactly a startup. <laughs> uh, so from that standpoint, you've been around a while, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it does it work for IBM. And can you give me an example of, of, of how we've used it? Sure. It absolutely does work for for larger companies. And in fact, it was interesting to see the mix changing at the Growth Hackers Conference this year because it wasn't just the Facebooks and Airbnbs that were there. It was us and Apple and some of the other larger companies that were more enterprise focused that are leveraging these new techniques because it's a mindset change, right? It goes from a growth hacker wakes up every day and thinks about growth and adoption. A uh, traditional mindset might be, how do I get to my next revenue goal? And the decisions that you make in those two different mindsets are very different. So let's talk about how we actually growth hacked at IBM, because this is a great story too. So taking my inspiration from Jaeger, of, of a product that had, was very mature, SPSS statistics, I think it's going to turn 50 next year. Um, this is a product that we, we had pretty good recognition. We had you know, probably millions of users across a quarter of a million organizations worldwide. It's mostly academic students, um, has been traditionally sold through face-to-face -face and telesales, but our growth was generally stalled and our NPS was awful um, because the experience of, of getting the product was not great. And our clients were really clear in the feedback we were getting from them. They wanted better pricing, more flexible pricing and licensing. We had a, an annual perpetual license that we had. Um, they wanted the, an easy access to, especially students. They, they wanted a, a quick way to get this because they're using it for projects. Um, and they wanted better support. They wanted all of those things that uh, we were not giving them today. So we looked at this the same way Jaeger did, as if, if we change the way our clients are consuming the software today, could we actually hack growth? And so we pulled together the, a team that consisted of a combination of product management, product marketing, um, uh, portfolio marketing, performance marketing, design, sales development, design, uh, or sorry, 
I think I said design a couple of times. They're important. <laughs> uh, they're very important. Support, um, of course, the digital business group. So it really is a team sport to pull together. And um, we talked about the full experience from when somebody first, you know, does a Google search for statistic software, are we easy to find? When they find us, how easy is it to get our software? And then once you try, once you get the trial, how easy is it to buy the software? And the answer was not very. <laughs> we had uh, pretty much a digital scavenger hunt with all the different pages that we had. And so we really streamlined the service. It was, you could find us really quickly. You got to the marketplace, you hit trial, free trial, and you were up and running with the product in like 15 minutes. We also changed the way we licensed it. So we went to a monthly subscription license that support was built in we created a connection right in our marketplace with um, both the more support deeper support and and as well as a community which we have a very vibrant community around SPSS and the the results were astounding I mean our NPS score immediately started going up um, within weeks of us doing this it went up 50 points our trial numbers improved by uh, over 50 percent our digital sales improved by over 50 percent but the most important thing for us, which was one of our North Star metrics, was the time to acquire every 100 new clients was reduced by 70%. So we had our Jaeger bomb, essentially. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm very, very well, well familiar with it, and, and I totally agree with you. Let me, let me ask you this, though. How, how do I get or how does one listening get into a growth hacking mindset? Because i got to believe that some people listening may say, Hey, Nancy, you just solved the problem. What makes it the, the scenario that you just gave me growth hacking and how did you manufacture, you know, kind of that mindset, if you will, in other words, really make it about, you know, you, you let growth hacking help drive the solution that you just discussed. Mm -hmm. I think it starts with a, it's like almost like a cultural change, right? Where you get everybody thinking about how is moving away from how do I just make our quarterly number or our annual number from a revenue perspective, but how do I get more clients using our software? How do we get more adoption? How do we grow the number of clients and how do we delight them in the process? That's the first mindset change. And then to think about a number of experiments you can do at every step of the way. It might be making the download easier. It might be the, the pricing and packaging. It might be that the onboarding experience, which we're also doing a lot of work in as well, making that so much better so that when somebody actually gets the software, they know what to do with it. It's very easy. You make, it as, make them as self-sufficient as possible. It might be some of the content that surrounds the product that makes it easier for the client to adopt it. It might be that that they um, want to be a part of the community. It's all of these little things that create growth along the way that adds to that overall experience. So it really starts with a mindset change that of coming up with what we call your North Star, which is the one thing that you're, that one measurement that you're going for. And that's not always easy to do. Uh, a lot of software products, it's active users. Um, Facebook struggled with this for a, a long time until they came up with active users. Their mission was essentially to be really essential to people. And so the way they measured it was how many people were actively using it per day. Um, it, uh, if you look at Uber, their North Star measurement was the number of rides because they wanted to make sure that they had both of the number of people requesting rides going up, but then they also had to have the, a number of drivers available. Otherwise, 
they would have failed in that first measurement, right? They wouldn't have achieved what they needed to do. So the number of rides was their North Star. So going after that North Star and coming up with a bunch of things along that customer journey that helps you get there is really, it's, it's as simple as that. So it's a mindset change and it's an idea to um, bring a group of people together and come forward with a bunch of different ideas that help promote growth, adoption, and a great customer experience. So chances are people are doing it already. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, you know, I like to do lots of experience, experiments, but one thing I do is is I try to drive one experiment per quarter. I mean, I experiment mm-hmm. with per with purpose. I mean, that may be a way, I don't know, that mm-hmm. I can help drive growth hacking in my business. But that brings me to my last question here is, in, as a development exec myself, what should I be doing? I mean, what, in the name of growth hacking, how should I start? <laughs> what, how can I get that mindset and charge, start changing that culture in my organization? So on the, on the development side, I think there's a core principle of growth hacking that you should always have on your mind, which is this concept that we call product market fit. And that is, you know, this is your guidance for bringing a product to market. Is there a market for it? Um, is there something already out there on the marketplace and there's a gap and you can fill that gap with something better? Then you can achieve product market fit. A great example everybody understands of this is if you remember when the iPhone first came out um, and he took the stage, he talked about having a phone and a music device, a phone and a music device. He didn't introduce a new phone. He introduced this combination because the, the problem that they set out to solve was that people were carrying around two devices and wouldn't it be nice you could combine those two things. So that was their product market fit is they didn't go after the phone market. They didn't just go after the music market. They went after a totally new way to address the marketplace of clients that had both. And that was their product market fit. So if you keep asking yourself, do I have product market fit with what I'm bringing to market and constantly question yourself from a development perspective, you're well on your way. So look, that's terrific. I'm good. I think I got it. Uh, I do have a few questions for you, what I call the lightning round. But before I go there, anything else you leave me with in terms of uh, anything else that was we didn't say that, that should be said? Or did we, we, pretty, <laughs> we pretty get it done? I think we got it done. But, you know, I'll just say <laughs> growth hacking is not just for startups. Uh, there are lots of companies looking at this. And it really is going to be an evolution of how we um, combine a lot of the expertise from our different groups and have that squad approach to doing the best thing for our clients and getting growth from that. To, to learn more about growth hacking, is, is there any direction you'd give the, the listeners to go to? There's a great community at growthhackers.com where there's just an amazing amount of knowledge there. Um, and then I highly recommend Sean Ellis's new book, um, which is uh, Hacking Growth. Awesome. Got it. All right. So let me jump into the lightning round. This is a bit more personal so folks can get All to right. the answer. You ready? I'm ready. So, <laughs> you're a growth hacker, obviously. You <laughs> must have a growth mindset. I'm just curious, what does your day look like? I mean, in, in terms of, you know, you stay positive. That's another thing you got to comment on. How do you stay so positive? What does your day look like? How do you drive cadence? How often maybe do you go to the grow, growthhackers.com website? I mean, what do you <laughs> Oh, wow. That's a huge question. How do I stay positive? Well, if you're a sports fan in Chicago, you have oh, to have a positive attitude. I knew that would come up. How did I know? 
He's a Chicago girl. <laughs> you knew it was going to yeah. come up, right? <laughs> so yeah. I'm trying to stay positive for game five tonight of the Cubs versus the Nationals. Um, I actually start my day with, uh, I started on, on perusing social media. I like to see what is trending and what's going on. What's the conversation that's going on out there? And what are people talking about? And dig deeper into that. I love Medium and reading the blogs on Medium because that also is representative of the conversations that are going on out there. Um, I like to spend some time geeking out on topics you know, like growth hacking, like machine learning and data science. Um, so I spend every morning having coffee doing just that. Um, of course, you know, getting my sports news in there too. <laughs> so half hour, hour? Uh, about an hour. Yeah. I try to yeah. do an hour and not every, you know, every morning doesn't always give you that much time as you know. Um, but if, if need be, I'll sometimes even just wake up earlier just so I can do that. I think that's really important to get some reading in, get connected, see what's going on. Um, you know, engage a little bit on social media. I, I go to the Growth Hackers website quite a bit. Um, I'm, oh, I have alerts set for articles all the time that come up either through Medium or uh, through Twitter that that give me new information about what's going on out there and what people are doing because that's um, really important to, to see how people are continuing to to move the growth ha- their growth hacking experience forward. And it's, there's some really interesting stuff going on out there. Um, and then even within my own, um, the products that I have, keeping a very close eye I, I always start off with looking at our stats, um, taking a look at our NPS, see what's going on, because that really is a good barometer of are, are we doing the right things. And, uh, and, and then we, um, once a week, do a big data download across all of our digital products and, and dive into that. And that really helps us um, figure out if we're doing the right things and um, what's going on out there. So my world does revolve around a lot of data. you and me both so uh, in terms of literature that that you read i heard medium i heard obviously growthhacker.com anywhere else you'd you'd have folks you know you'd tout uh some form of of medium that you that that you like um uh, specific to growth hacking you know if you just no not growth hacking just in general general. well uh, let's see let's I'll i'll tell you what's on my desk right now in terms of the books, right? So right now, and I haven't started yet, but I'm so excited to start it, is a book called Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products by Nur E-Y-A-L and Ryan Hoover, who is uh, a pretty uh, famous growth hacker himself. He writes a lot. Or actually, Ryan Holiday does. Um, So this one, this book I'm really excited about. I got a book that I've been reading a lot and listening to some podcasts on um, from a Chicago guy, and the book is called Rework. And it's by Jason Fried and David Heinmeier Hansen. Um, and it's about creating innovative work environments. And this is a, actually a guy who's a Chicago-based entrepreneur for a company um, here that focuses on productivity software, similar to Slack. Did you say rework? Rework, yes. Yeah. Okay. And I love, I love the slogan on the book because it says, ignore this book at your peril. <laughs> <laughs> You're immediately drawn in then. Absolutely. And then, of course, I have my hacking bro- growth book here by Sean Ellis and Morgan Brown because it's kind of like my Bible. I'm always going back and pulling stuff out and referring back to it because 
um, not only does it tell you about what growth hacking is and gives you a bunch of case studies, but th there's a pragmatic approach to setting up your team, running experiments, how you track them. And so I literally feel like this is my everyday manual. And so it really never leaves my desk. It's and what was the name of that book? Sorry. Hacking Growth by Sean Ellis and Morgan Brown. Hey, um, where, can, where can the listeners reach you to? I want to make sure we get that out. Well, they can follow me on Twitter. Uh, at N-A-N-C-Y-K-O-P-P-D-W. Yep. And I also have a Medium blog, too, where I write everything from uh, data and growth hacking. And so you'll see my story about when I discovered growth hacking there as well. All right, great. Now I got one last one, and then we're done. All right. Uh, I know I've known you to be positive even before the Cubbies won the World Series. <laughs> so how did that feel when they finally won the World Series? Oh my did you, like, gosh! Like take up a week. Oh, uh, you know what? I did the day of the parade. We had a big leadership meeting that day, and I remember I slacked Rob and said, "I'm sorry, but I have to take a Ferris Bueller day <laughs> because." This is this. I've been waiting for this my whole life, and it was such an amazing experience to go down with the millions of other people. In fact, I think they called it the largest human gathering or the fifth largest human gathering in the history of humans, which I believe we've been waiting for this a long time. So it was amazing, and actually, I think most of us in Chicago don't feel as much pressure this year um, because we finally got there, and that's really all we wanted. <laughs> Fantastic. Nancy, thank you. I've learned a lot. Growth hacking. Everybody go out there and, and, and learn some more. Thank you for taking your time today and thank you for listening. Uh, Nancy, until next time, I'll talk to you later. Thank, thank you. you. It was great. Thank All you. Right. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast, where we make data fun. Be sure to visit ibmbigdatahub.com forward slash podcast to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, over and out. Thank you.